0: How's it going? Good. It's good to see you again. Someone else put their faith in Jesus this week. Yeah. Thank God for that. Woo. If you're visiting, uh, I haven't been here. My name is Mark. They let me pastor here, which is very nice of everyone to do, but i uh, been gone for the last eight weeks. It's been eight weeks, and uh, it's great to be back, and it's great to see you all. I missed you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, open them to Exodus chapter 17. We're going to end up there after I... Uh, give You a couple of announcements. First of all, actually, just one announcement. If you want to sign up for Foundations, which is kind of our going deeper uh, classes here at our church, you can learn theology and uh, go through the scriptures with us on a, on a more deeper level. Uh, they start next Sunday and Tuesday, so if you sign up at guest services or online, uh, you would be blessed to be a part of that, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, before I pray, I just want to say thank you for everybody for having a great summer. I need to go away more often, apparently uh because some just great things happened uh while i was gone we had uh all kinds of camps go out with our high school and junior high students we had missions trips going left and right and all around the world uh we had a a, a billion kids at this thing we call kidapalooza in june 24 people put their faith in jesus christ this summer yeah god for that and that's not counting the kids who trusted jesus at kidapalooza and i can't remember the number for that so i don't want to lie and say a different one but uh It was just a great summer. People, guys, came up on the stage and spoke all summer long, and just did a fabulous job. From everything I've heard and from all the sermons I've had a chance to watch, so thank you uh, to each of those guys uh, who got up and spoke. And for the rest of our staff, for the ministry and service and servants around here, that's happened. It's just, you know, it's just such a tribute to our church that one person isn't necessary. I could leave and go away, and this place would be fine. And and I don't intend to do that. Just so you know, but uh, uh, but I'm just so grateful that we have such a quality. Uh, group of servants around here. So blessed are we. Amen. Um, I had a great, uh, you want to hear what I did? I had, a, I, had a, I had a great summer. I left here Father's Day and I got on a plane almost right after church on Father's Day after preaching and I went to uh, Denver, Colorado and I sat in a, a counselee's chair. I'm usually the counsellor, uh, but I sat on the other side of the, uh, the couch or whatever, the office, and I had a, a, a Christian guy, uh, you know, further down the road than me uh, uh, tell me where I was wrong. <laughs> it was great. Uh, um, uh, just, uh, you know, help me understand a little bit better uh, my personality. Uh, who knew? There's holes in everybody's personality. I thought mine was the right one, uh, but uh, apparently there's things that I need to work on, and so he was gracious, and God used him to, to help me uh, figure out some of those things. You're going to be hearing about them, I'm sure, as I speak through the next uh, few months to you. Uh, some of the things I learned there, but uh, left there, came back and had a, a week with my wife away. We went to Ohio and uh, saw family, her some of her family, some of my family uh, in Kentucky as well. Uh, came back from that, went to Uganda and uh, spent a couple weeks there with some fabulous uh, fellow servants from our church, and uh, got to visit both of our Ugandan uh, orphanage sites. Uh, we're partners with a ministry called Village of Hope, and. Listen, in 10 years' time, they have accomplished so much in the name of Jesus and done so well in developing things over there. Uh, we are just so blessed to be a partner uh, with somebody or with a group of people who are just doing so much for the kingdom. Got to preach uh, and, and teach to some uh, pastors while I was there. Came back from that. I think I slept five nights in my bed for the for six weeks of this uh, trip or this, 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 this sabbatical. But came back, stuck around. Uh, for a couple of days, and then took my family to Boston, went to Fenway Park twice, watched the Red Sox lose both times. Um, yeah. I, knew, I knew some of you punks would like that. Anyway, uh, it's just so great to put out all that money to go watch your team lose. Uh, spent a week after that uh, speaking in, in eastern Canada, where I'm uh, partially from. My parents are both Canadians. I lived there for about eight years of my life. And I got to speak at the camp that I grew up going to. And I spoke at their family camp, and, and that was just deja vu all over the place. And, uh, just, but just deeply, richly rewarding times, rested where I could. The next time I take a rest, I'll rest more. But, uh, uh, but it was just a great time uh, to pull away and to, to hear from God. And I'm uh, grateful to be able to come and share some of the things that I learned uh, from that time with you this morning. So after I pray... Let's dive into some of those, shall we? Let's pray. Hey, God, thanks so much for a chance to uh, celebrate what you've accomplished around here the last couple of months. Thanks for the souls that uh, have uh, chosen you in this uh, this season. And I pray, Lord, that these uh, infants, these spiritual infants would grow to maturity and uh, become fully devoted followers of you and, and that they join us in reaching others if for your name's sake. We want to be a church, Lord, that's a beacon in this community and around the world, we want to shine your love uh, to our neighbors and to our classmates and to our coworkers, And we want to uh, be a conduit of your grace to a world that desperately needs it. So help us in that. Uh, Lord, deepen us in our own pursuit of you so that we have uh, this abiding, like we just sang about, we want to abide with you. We have this abiding relationship with you that, that you work through uh, in us and, and that you... Um, you know, provide us what we need and in, in, in do in our lives. So, so lead us deeper into you this year, God. And uh, as a part of that, Lord, we're going to talk about that specifically this morning. And and I want us to understand your will and your ways and your timing. So you're going to need to do that through me. You're going to need to speak through me, God, and and lead us to that reminder or to that understanding for the first time. Some of us uh, here might be new to the faith or new to this the conversation. Just lead us, God, to a reliance a full reliance on you, a full surrender to you. And uh, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I went, uh, uh, as part of this, uh, this little break, I, I got to go canoeing with my, my wife at Hillsborough State Park. Has anybody ever gone up there and rented a canoe? It's one of Eleanor's favorite things to do. She loves the water. And so we uh, dedicated uh, a Saturday, a couple Saturdays ago, to just going and doing that and being together all day. And it was a smashing success. Here's why. I got there uh, early enough uh, that uh, I got to go into their little cafe, cafeteria there. They got the best breakfast sandwich I've ever eaten at Hillsborough State Park. It, it was delicious. I mean, and for me, that matters, right? So, so we started that way, got the canoe, rented it, got out on the water, and I don't you know, it's been raining a bunch in the last couple weeks here, uh, but on this particular morning, it didn't rain at all, but it was totally cloudy, so it didn't get hot, like not Florida hot, it was hot. But it wasn't like Florida hot. And that's what usually the the, the killer for me on anything outside here in Florida. I, you know, if I get, you know, jungle rock going, I just don't wanna I just I just don't wanna be outside. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I mean it doesn't matter how much fun you're having out there, if your clothes are sticking, it's no fun, right? So so but it was it was beautiful and we're coasting along and the scenery was amazing. I love watching uh, you know, God's creation be reflected off of God's creation, right? the trees and the water, just, I mean, it just, it was it was like the cover of a, of a jigsaw puzzle everywhere you went. And uh, uh, we floated down the river for an hour and a half, uh, had a nice, easy, gentle paddle. It had been raining so much, the water wasn't flowing that fast or anything like that. It was just like a big lake. And we just, I mean, we talked, husbands and wives, you know what I'm talking about. The kids are gone. Your, your, there's nothing on, uh, Your electronics don't work. You're just out there and... And after the first hour, you're just like, you're, you're building souls, right? You're just hanging out. And you're just, it's, it was great until we put the canoe in. <laughs> There's that little landing right there where you got to, you know, put the canoe in. You slide it up on the rack with the rest of the rental canoes and so, you know, every time we've gone canoeing, I say as a joke, ramming speed. That's that you gotta get going really fast so you can get up on the shore, you know, far enough so that the person in the front doesn't have to get their feet wet and all that stuff. So Ellen and I are Ellen and I are just digging, right? And we hit that thing and it was perfect. We just slam this thing, the whole canoe, half the canoe, goes up on the shore. It's perfect. She doesn't even get her feet wet. She just steps out in her tevas and she's like, meh, meh right? <clears throat> and in the joy of our successful ramming speed, she forgets to hold on to the front of the canoe. Now, some of you haven't canoed before. That's an important part of this process. Because the dude in the back of the canoe is depending on you to hold that canoe so that he can walk out of the canoe onto dry land as well. she so let go of the canoe, and a guy like this in the back of the canoe immediately overcomes the buoyancy of that half of the canoe. And the canoe, have you ever seen a canoe? The tip of that canoe is kind of like this little fulcrum And it went down to the bottom of the water, 45-degree angle with the rest of the canoe. (laughs) Are you picturing me? And I'm in the back of this canoe with my paddle kind of as like, you know, a tightrope walker. I'm trying to make sure the... It's not going to happen. So I gently say my wife's name. No, it wasn't gentle at all. (laughs) Eleanor! 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 (laughs) And on the third Eleanor, over I went. Canoe totally tipped on its side, me and my phone. It's okay. I have a lifetime phone case, waterproof, up to three meters. Thank you very much. But anyway, I went into the water, uh, and I'm up to my neck, laying on my side in the Hillsboro River, the amoeba-filled Hillsboro River. This was not a part of the plan. Eleanor had a choice at that point, laugh, which she wanted to do. Laura graciously tried to help me out of the water, which she did. She laughed later. She, she timed it. I got up, I grabbed the paddle I was holding, and I would have won the javelin in the Olympics. I just want you to know, because I hurled that paddle past the rental canoes on a line. That's how I got my anger out. And then I had that kind of sick smile you have when you're really mad, but you don't want to, you know, give in to your anger. And I just carried that smile the whole time we were trying to get this canoe that's now full of water back on the rack. We started walking, and finally I was like, okay, you can laugh now. And she did. <laughs> <clears throat> that was my canoe trip. I tell you that story because I think that's a great uh, sample of life. Because here's, here's what's happened in my life. I don't know about you, but things can be going great. Everything's perfect. It's the cover of a jigsaw puzzle. Everything is exactly as you would have it be until it's not and a lot of times it has nothing to do with you or even the intentions of other people it's just life goes crazy you tip your boat the boat goes over now you got this whole other series of things to deal with and as followers of jesus christ we're called to deal with those things in a certain way as followers of jesus christ we have to get used to the fact we're gonna see that today we have to get used to the fact that sometimes god is the boat tipper how about that Sometimes God puts us in situations where we can be tested, where he can find out our mettle, and he can see what's really going on with us and our faith in him. He'll put us in situations where the boat tips, just so that we can know where we stand with him. In those situations, uh, a phrase that I read in one of the books that I've been reading this summer uh, has come to mind, and it's what God kept saying to me. I kept praying to him and asking him. What do you want me to say the first time I'm back? And this is, this is the one sentence, the one phrase that I took from a book uh, that my counselor gave me called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Great book if you're in leadership. But it's this phrase. When life happens, choose God's will, God's way, in God's time. Everybody say that with me. Ready? God's will, God's way, in God's time. Around here we talk about being a surrender to God. We exist to surrender to God as he makes disciples through us here and around the world. Have you heard me say that before? Have you read that on any of our website or material? Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. That, that, that's our summation of the, of, the, of the mission of Scripture is for people to know God and to surrender to Him, to, for people to be used of God to make others disciples of Him. That, that's, that's us. But I've always struggled. How do I define surrender better for us as a church? Well, here it is. Surrender is choosing God's will and doing God's will in God's way and doing God's will in God's ways in God's time. That's surrender. It's just utterly and fully saying, uh, Have your way in me, Lord. Have your way in me. Uh, easy at times. Come to church on Sunday mornings, you're ready for it. You're kind of prepping for it. Turn the Christian radio station on, drive over here, right? Sing the songs with Brad and the rest of the team. Listen to Mark. Walk out of here with that warm, spiritual fuzzy. You know what I'm talking about, right? And you're all ramped up for God's will, God's way, and God's time. But then the boat tips. And it's when the boat tips that we really find out if our credo is our life. Maybe some of you guys, your boat's tipped right now. School started this week. First day was great. Posted the pictures on Facebook. Here's my little freshman. You know, whatever. First day went off without a hitch. But the second day, he set the alarm for PM instead of AM. Who's ever done that? I did it like four times on this trip that I took to Uganda. Couldn't figure out PM and AM. So you wake up in a panic. Your kid's not awake at all. He totally ran around in the mud uh, in the rain yesterday in the one shirt that he has to wear to school. So he can't wear that. Trying to wash it in the sink. Anybody had a day like this after the first day of school? Yeah. Stuff happens, and life goes crazy. Nobody uh, knows how to drive in front of you if you're trying to get your kid to school on time. They're all idiots, every one of them, (laughs) right? And the boat begins to tip. Sometimes, though, it's not just the the silly. It's not just the, uh, you know, the non-meaning stuff. Sometimes it's the big things. I walked up to a guy today, I, I eat uh, breakfast usually at this one uh, diner in town, and, and I've gotten to know the, the other patrons, I don't know this guy's name, he's a biker, uh, drives a sweet Harley, that's, that's my future, I'm going to grow this out really long, I'm going to put on a lot of leather and I'm going to have a big bike, that's my, that's one of my bucket lists, but, uh, uh, but he's, he's living it, and so, you know, we, we have this relationship, guys, you know what I'm talking about, the, the dudes you see all the time, you're like, that's, that's our relationship, So I walked past him today, and I don't know, he was outside sitting having a cigarette, and so I was like, and he went, and I went, how's it going? And most people, when you say, how's it going, what do they say? Good, how are you? Good, done. Especially guys, right? We're not really asking, how's it going? We're just trying to fill the air until I'm inside, right? <laughs> but I asked him, how's it going, and this guy says to me, not good. Not good. So I instinctively said, why? Well, I got the report from the doctor. I got I got like half of my artery blocked in my neck somehow. And they don't know if it's so close to my brain and whatever. They don't know if they're going to be able to operate on it. And this thing went from like passive kind of, you know, what's up before I eat breakfast to like, really? What are you doing? for this? We had this conversation. most Most we've ever talked ever. And I told him I'd pray for him. And he finished smoking his cigarette. But that's, that's, that's what happens in life. The boat tips. Physically, the boat tips, relationally. You were married and happy and then you weren't. Your kids were sweet and glorious and now they're not. Things were going great at work and now you're in the doghouse. and You don't even know how you got there. The boat tips. It's how we act when the boat tips. It gives us a good sign of where we are in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to just go to the story of Moses and talk about how Moses uh, chose God's will and God's way and God's time. And I hope this sermon kind of acts as a, as a buzzer. So you are like, oh, what? I, we got a new fridge this week. Eleanor uh, purchased this older fridge when we first moved into our house and it was built in 58, so it was delicate, and we broke it. How's it going? That's what saunders do. We break things. Uh, so we got another fridge to replace it. And these new fridges now, if you leave the door open too long, a buzzer goes off. Beep, beep, beep. I think it would be funny if they had like a Siri voice come on and say, shut your door, dummy. Anyway. Uh, but it's kind of like the, the buzzer that goes off in your car, you know, when you don't do your seatbelt, right? And I love watching the husbands and wives be like, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelt. And and, in most cars these days, it won't stop until you do. Have you noticed that? I mean, that's the one thing to make that thing shut up is to put your, you know. So uh, this is what I hope this sermon is. I hope that God plants his buzzer deep inside our spirits and our souls so that when the boat tips, the buzzer goes off and says, Hey, buckle up. God's will, God's way, God's time in all things, especially this. Stand for the reading of God's Word. I saw that uh, Travis did that. I kind of like it. We're going to be standing more when we read God's Word. Everybody, please stand with me. We're going to read in Exodus chapter 17, out of respect for God and His Word. Uh, You can read along in your Bibles. I'd appreciate you doing that. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we could get you one. Uh, You could download one on your phone, or you can read off this screen. But everybody should have a Bible, Uh, thus saith Mark. All right, here we go. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin. That's not the English word sin. It's a Hebrew word sin. It doesn't mean like what we mean, so don't read that into the Bible. Uh, But they moved by stages according to the commandment of the Lord, and they camped at Rephidim. Uh, But there was no water for the people to drink. Verse 2. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses, and they said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses, and they said... Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. That means kill me. They're going to throw rocks at me until I'm dead. The Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, uh, maybe for backup, and taking your hand the staff with which you uh, struck the Nile, and go. And behold, I'll stand before you there on the rock at Horeb. And you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Verse 7 says, And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? May God bless the reading of his word. Have a seat. Moses uh, was this guy, if you don't know about him, uh, he was chosen by God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. That's chapter 3 of Exodus. Uh, he, he, he argues with God, not me, you've got the wrong guy. But God says, no, you're perfect. They're going to know that I'm behind you uh, if you're able to be successful because you and of yourself uh, would never be successful without me. So he goes in, he talks to Pharaoh, and if you know the story, you know the story. Pharaoh lets the Israelites go. There's miracle after miracle. They cross the Red Sea, God parts the waters. They, uh, they, uh, just a couple chapters before this, they, they come to a place called Marah, and it's where the water is unfit to drink, and God, through Moses... Uh, Cleanses the water and makes it fit for the Israelites to drink, and they celebrate the fact that they're able to survive uh, at Marah. They go even further in chapter 15, and they don't have any food anymore. And so God sends this bread from heaven. What's it called? Manna! Manna. And the manna comes down from heaven, and the children of Israel have uh, all that they need uh, to survive there in the wilderness. Well, here we are. Now we're in chapter 16. And uh, the Israelites are kind of slow on the uptake. Has anybody picked that up on the stories that you hear about the Exodus? Uh, God over and over again provides their needs, but every time they come to their next need, they're like, chicken little, and the sky's falling, and they go crazy. Well, they're doing it here again. We're going to see their reaction as something we don't aspire to, and we're going to see Moses' reaction as something that we do aspire to. And we're going to learn, learn, first of all, from these verses that sometimes God leads us into thirsty situations. God leads us into thirsty situations. Look what it says, it says, all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages. They left in, in groups. There's probably a, a couple million of them uh, uh, that have left Egypt at this time, or at least a million uh, scholars believe. Uh, and so they, have to, they can't all leave at once. It'd be like you know everybody trying to uh, leave the Super Bowl at the same time through one door. Not, not a good scene, right? So they leave in stages. And this, this is the next phrase that we've got to kind of put our heads around. According to the commandment of Who? Moses. Moses says, we're going over here. Is that what it says? According to the commandment of that person who goes on every vacation, who has the planner and knows where we're going to go next, we've got to get to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame so that we can be at the uh, farmer's market. By no, there was no one like that in the nation of Israel. The one who was leading uh, this little parade of a nation was God himself. And so God commands them to go. And they go to this place called Rephidim a Rephidim. And there at this place, there is no water to drink. What a coinkydink. What a coincidence. I bet God didn't know that. God sent the children of Israel off to this place, and he had no clue that the water facilities were closed. Is everybody picking up my theological sarcasm here? God knew exactly where he was sending the nation of Israel. He knew they were going to go to a place where they could not drink. I don't know if you watch these survivor shows on uh, TV, but you got to drink. If you get dropped in the woods, whether you're naked or not, yeah, naked and afraid, anyway. uh, It's a show, Naked and Afraid. Anyway, but if you get dropped in the woods, one of the first things you have to do is find clean drinking water. You can go for a long time or a longer time without food, but you got to drink. And So on this camping expedition, God said, I'm going to send you a place where there's no drinking water. And that was God's choice. Now, I don't want you to go back through all of the experiences of your life, but you've got to believe that every once in a while when, things, when the boat tips, God's at the other end of the canoe going, ha, ha. <laughs> not because he's like being a jokester or anything like that. He wants the boat to tip every once in a while. He allows the boat to tip every once in a while because it's crucial for our development as followers of his that we have those crucible experiences where he can burn off some of the stuff that shouldn't be there. You know what I'm talking about? And this is one of those instances in the nation of Israel. Sometimes God leads us to thirsty situations. Thirsty situations, secondly, often bring questions and demands. Anybody been there? Get uncomfortable, the boat tips, and you're like, I got a few questions. I'd like to invoke my rights. That's what happens with the nation of Israel. Look what they say. Therefore the people quarrelled with Moses and they said give us some water to drink. I like to think that there might have been a couple exclamation points after that some emojis right? They're probably being a little more emphatic. They're demanding. Hey, we're following you around the woods here. Where's the water? Give us a water, you know, maybe maybe Moses had a canteen. It's, you know, it saved some from the last place. I'm like that's our water. Give us your water. They wanted water to drink. Like keep in mind here Are they demanding these things of Moses? No, they're demanding these things really of the God of Moses. Because look what Moses says. Moses says to them, why do you quarrel with me? Don't look at me. I didn't lead us out here. He says, furthermore, why do you test the Lord? I'm picturing Moses thinking like, were you guys not there when bread fell out of heaven? Were you not there when there was uh, unclean water to drink at Marah and, and he took care of that? Why are, you, why are you messing with me? We've done this before. We know the drill. Let's trust God. But they go on, they say this, that they thirsted for water, and the people grumbled against Moses, and they said, this, this is so great, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? This is what they're doing. They're saying, I get it. This is God's grand plan, isn't it? He pulled us out of slavery in Egypt so that he could just get us to this place where there's no water so he could kill all of us. That was his grand... He's a murderer. God is a murderer. His grand scheme over this past year with all of the plagues and the crossing of the Red Sea and the provision of manna and everything else that we've had, it's all... This is his endgame. He wants us to come to this place so that we can die of thirst. Oh, yeah, obviously. That's what God was doing. No, but they're blinded by the the tipping of their boat. They're blinded by the struggles that they face. Anybody been there? Who's been there? Anybody been blinded by the, just three of us? Okay, well, the rest of us, I'll I'll trust that God doesn't put you in the boat here soon. But uh, yeah, it's so easy to do. You get so wrapped up in the unfairness of a situation, so cratered by the disappointment of whatever's going on, that you lash out, you shake an angry fist in the face of God and say, it's your fault and I deserve better, thus saith me. That's a, that's a tough spot. Tough spot, pitting yourself against the God of the universe. We do it all the time. Isn't it great that God uh, uh, loves us anyway? Anybody happy about that? That even when we get uh, discouraged, disappointed, inflamed, And we shake an angry fist in his face. He loves us anyway. I'm all for agape love. That's that unconditional love that God just emanates. That's who he is. He's agape. He he does it over and over again with the people that, you know, uh, get angry with him in the scriptures. Uh, He's he's kindest to the ones who get angry and get over it, though. Ever read any of the psalms that, like, David writes? Uh, Some of them are called lament psalms. They're some of my favorite because I can identify with them. They start with David being like, God, where are you? Where have you gone? You anointed me to be the king of Israel, but the dude I'm replacing did not get the memo. Saul is trying to kill me. I'm hiding in caves. I'm down to my last granola bar. I mean, everything is terrible up in here. I don't see how this is going to work out. He's got the armies of Israel. I've got some mighty men, but, I mean, we're going to lose. Why have you forsaken me? Read them. That's how they almost always start. Pity party, courtesy, David, right? But then they almost always shift about halfway through them, and David says, but you are my rock. You are my shield. You're my fortress. You're my tower. You're my strength. Yeah, I feel all these things. I don't know how you're going to work this out, but I choose to follow your will and your ways and to believe in your time as you rescue me. Moses is like David in that. Because Moses, he's the leader. He's got the the burden of figuring this thing out. But he doesn't go to God and starts screaming and yelling here's what he does look at it says and we find out in thirsty situations you go to the one who makes water thirsty go to the dude who created water he'll take care of you right so Moses does Moses cries to the Lord he says what shall I do with this people they're almost ready to stone me God I need you this is getting pretty serious I saw them picking up the rocks God I, I, I got to have your help right now and so God comes to the rescue The Lord says to Moses, all right, pass on before the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. And take in your hand that staff with which you struck the Nile and go. That staff that was a symbol of, of God's presence with Moses, all the way back to when he was hanging out with Pharaoh and he dropped it on the ground and it turned into a snake and he picked it back up and it turned into a staff. Remember that story? It was a pretty cool stick, right? It wasn't the stick. It was a symbol of God's power and presence in in the life of Moses. And he says, hey, take that symbol, and we're going to go make some water together. And so it says that God says to Moses, I'll stand before you there on the rock at Horeb. Horeb is the same place where the bush was burning. Did you know that? And if you go back to Exodus chapter 3, when Moses was being told by God, I'm going to get you and the Israelites out of Egypt, and we'll come right back here, and you'll, you'll see my faithfulness. Well, there they are. They're right back to where the burning bush was at Horeb. And he says, all right, we're going we're to knock the rock. We're going to strike the rock at Horeb and, and you're going you're gonna to see water come out of it and the people will have all that they need to drink. And so Moses did. It's such an anticlimactic verse. And so Moses did. And in the sight of the Lord and in the sight of the elders, this is what happened. And he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah. Masa means uh, testing and Meribah means quarreling or fighting because it was there that God tested the Israelites and the Israelites came to God with quarreling and with fighting and with blame and demands. God was all about leaving monuments and the memories of the Israelites and that's how he did it in this case. He, he named the place after what they did there. It says he, he named it Massa Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? All right, you're going have to raise your hand. But maybe just give me one of these real quick. If you've ever wondered, is God really in the middle of this? Is God really here? Things ever gotten to the point in your life where you're like, I don't know. Uh, more and more in our culture, uh, that's the prevailing question is there a God? Can he be trusted? Things are going so crazy. Uh, the news cycle just shows again and again just the, the, the madness of our world and the sin that reigns in it. And it's so easy for us to be like, man, where is God in all of this? If, if you've had that question, you're just like the Israelites in the, in, the, in the wilderness. It's an understandable question. But for those of us who are seeking to follow hard and fast after our God, the question is always answered with, hey, God, your will, your ways, your timing, I surrender. In thirsty situations, go to the one who makes water. And then, can I just give you another warning before I let you go? An encouragement, we'll call it. Be careful not to skim. Be careful not to skim. Somebody like skim milk? It's bad for you? No? Go ahead. That's good. That's fine. I'm talking about skimming over uh, the, 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 the will of God and the, and the ways of God. A lot of times, we can kind of shortcut that stuff. Uh, especially if we've been doing the Christ thing for a while. We've been a Christian for a long time. We're like, I don't know how to handle this. I don't need to listen to God. It's, this is how I do it. This is how I've done it in the past. I'll just tackle this situation. I'll just counsel someone this way. I'll just handle it the way I've always handled it. It's worked for me in the past. It's what's will work now. Um, I, I was reminded this summer, uh, been here 12 years, okay? Uh, and every one of those years, I've had its own challenges. There have been boat tippings in and, and, and every you know year of my life as a pastor. Uh, but as long as I keep doing this, the boat's going to keep tipping. And even though it's going to look like it used to look, or, or it did in the past when I, when I went through a situation there my full attention, my full surrender to a God who is able to protect me and provide for me and lead me through whatever tips in my life, I need to give him that in every situation, no matter how long I've been doing this. I talk to Christians down and I'm one of them now because I'm older, who are like, well, you know, I got the Christian thing pretty much down. You know, you get up and do your quiet time, pray a little bit, <laughs> you do your life, and it's not rocket science. And, and I agree, the Christian life was never meant to be something uh, overly difficult or or, or something impossible for us to understand, uh, I'm glad that we get better in our, and deeper in our understandings of how it is to follow Christ. But it should never dull us to our constant need and ever-present um, uh, uh, just requirement of his speaking into our lives in every situation. I was out counseling with a guy uh, just recently. and uh, He's talking to me about what's going on in his life. And I've heard it. Listen, I've been counseling for 25 years. I've, I've worked with people in their marriages or with their kids. I've, I've, I've heard these things before. And it's so easy for me in those situations just to be like, all right, take two of these, call me in the morning. Because, you know, wisdom is wisdom. And, and you say what you say in those kinds of situations. But as I was preparing for this talk, I, I, I know now and I, I sense anew my need to be ever-present with the Spirit in every situation and attentive to what he's saying. So while this guy's talking, you know what I'm doing? Lord, give me your answer. And help me not to just be satisfied with my professional opinion. Give me what you want me to say. What do I say when I get up here to preach? Hopefully it's not just you know, some superlatives and some, just you know, some rote prayer that I give. But I want when I get up and preach for God to speak through me. And for him to say to you what you need to hear. Because I want to abide in him. I don't want to skim. I want to be ever-present with him. I want you to be ever-present with him. I want us to live this life in his will, doing his ways, in his time, 100%, boat-tipped or not. Would it surprise you to know that this same exact scenario came up about 39 years after Moses goes through it the first time? He's here almost at the end of of, of the Exodus journey in in Numbers chapter 20. It says the people of Israel, the whole congregation... Uh, they came to the wilderness of Zin, different from Sin, uh, different region in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam, the, the, the sister of Moses, dies, and she's buried there, <clears throat> and then it goes on, and it relates the same scenario that happened some 39 years before. There was no water for the congregation there. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, just like they did before. We've got to blame somebody. And the people quarreled with Moses, and they said, would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. He's... Uh, the people are alluding to another story in the, in the, in the Exodus uh, account where uh, some actual rebels in the camp came against Moses and God struck those rebels down. And uh, they're saying, I wish we'd been struck down with those others because we would have never had to see what's happening right now. It says, uh, uh, why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? Same gripe. They're not even trying. And why have you made us come up out of Egypt? To bring us to this evil place. It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates. And there is, bottom line, no water to drink. So Moses and Aaron, they know what to do in this situation. Go to the guy who makes water. And so they go to him. They go to the presence of the they leave the presence of the assembly and they go to the entrance of the tent of meeting. That was the tabernacle. The presence of God resided there. And they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. God's going to speak to them. This is what he says: He says this. Keep going. Take the staff. Moses is like, oh, we're going to do it again. I remember. I got the stick. Let's do this. He says, take the staff and assemble the congregation. Yep, check, check. And you and Aaron, your brother, uh, you go out there and you tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. And this is where Moses kind of went. Beep. Why? Because he thought, well, I've done this. Been there, done that. We're taking the stick. I just go tap the rock. And off we go. But what does he do? He gets ahead of God. He gets outside of God's ways. He gets onto his own strength. And he never hears God say, tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock if you do this for them and give drink to the congregation and to their cattle. It says that Moses took the staff from the Lord as he commanded, or from before the Lord, just as God had commanded. And then he went and skimmed. And here's what happens when we skim. We fall, we fail to hear the voice of God. This is what happened. Look at, look at verse 10. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, "Here now, you rebels! It's like Moses comes out there and he's like, All right, you bunch of rebels. Here's how this is going to go down. I've got a little experience with this rock tapping business. I'm going to show you what what. Some of you weren't born when this happened before. You just watch how Moses do. Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water from you out of this rock? He says, shall we? I think uh, some people might say, well, shall we? He's including God. I don't think he's talking about God here at all. It's him and Aaron. Watch me and Aaron. We've got a cool trick. Check this stick out. Check this rock out. And that's what he does. And here's what, this is so, this is one of the more confounding verses in Scripture for me. Ready? And Moses lifted up his hand and he struck the rock with his staff. How many times? How many times did you do it the first time? Once. Water. Here in this story, twice. Why? I think God was giving him a chance to be like, dummy, I told you to talk to the rock, not tap the rock. And I think Moses taps the rock and then he's like, I tapped the rock. And he doesn't hear God saying, I didn't tell you to tap it. I told you to talk to it. So what's he do? Well, this thing must be busted. Got to change the batteries on this thing, right? So he hits it again. And then this is the most confounding thing to me. What does it say? That the water came out what? Abundantly. Just gushed out of there. And the whole congregation drank. We're probably up to those 2 million uh, Israelites now. 2 million people drank from whatever came out of this rock. And all their cattle, you might have cow, you know uh, how much cows drink? A lot. They got like 28 stomachs in there or something. <laughs> and so everybody's drinking, and Moses has got to be walking away. Everybody's saying, you know, hail Moses, hail here, and He's holding the stick over his head, and he's like, yeah, we bad, we bad, right? And he's walking out of there, and he's feeling great. But what has he done? He's done what you and I do all the time. We do what we think instead of what we've been told. I don't know how many times I could have avoided major pain in my life if I'd just done as I'd been told, if I'd just been open to God's leading instead of just going off on my own. But that's what happens when we skim. We just kind of listen to God enough, we get the gist, and we're like, okay, thank you, I'll steer. I got this from now. That's what Moses did. When we we skim, we miss out finally on the blessing of God. So Moses is walking off from his great victory. And by the way, is anybody glad that even when we do mess up like that, God still blesses despite us? Is anybody grateful that in the times that you've been just either careless or just utterly rebellious against God and what he says to do, that he still chooses to bless us over and over again despite our, our wickedness and our unwillingness to follow him? Is anybody grateful for the grace of God in the house today? Yeah. We are all recipients of it. He chooses to do it. That's why the water gushed. The people needed to drink. Even though Moses was a dummy, the people needed to drink. And so God provided, despite Moses. But God judged because of Moses. Look what it says. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land of that I have given them, maybe you came in here knowing that Moses didn't get to go to the promised land. maybe you didn't know why. It came as a result of two taps from a stick on a rock. That's what barred him from the, from the promised land. Some of you might think, well, that's just unfair. Well OK, it's probably a good time for your pastor to talk to you about the depth of sin, okay? A lot of times we think about, we've done all these great things. Why would this one thing be counted against us? Well, because that one thing is so utterly wicked to a perfect God that it should banish us, not just from the promised land, but from God's presence altogether. Don't get soft on sin and think that as long as the scale is weighted in the right direction, my sins don't really matter. They, They do. And God's a perfect God. And even after all that Moses had done, in his name, and that was almost over again. In his name, and in his, uh, you know, accomplishing great things, uh, God was right and righteous in levying this punishment. Why? Because it was so important that Moses stayed step in step with God as his leader for the nation of Israel. That when he just took this one sloppy little sidestep, it merited the kind of punishment God wields. So, here's my hope for us as I close. My hope for us is in this next season of ministry, we're going to start talking next week about our neighbors Come and enjoy a three-week series as we just kind of focus in on on the people in our community who need us and who need Jesus. Uh, I I pray that God's going to use our church and grow grow our church as we expand what's happening on our other campus now and 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 figure out what's ahead for us here on on this site. Uh, God's going to do great things through us. But here's how he's going to accomplish great things through us. He's going to accomplish great things through those of us who follow him, who are fully surrendered to his will, his ways, in his time. Not just doing what we know to do, not just kind of same thing, different day. Not just kind of showing up to church because that's what happens on Sunday. Not just singing the songs because they're familiar. Not just listening to Mark because every once in a while he tells a funny story and he usually is wet as a result. And uh, No, I want us to rise above that. I want us to go further, every one of us, in our relationship with Jesus Christ personally. I want to, as your pastor, be a better pastor, a better preacher, a, a better leader of your church, of our church, of God's church. And I know that's only going to happen as I abide in Jesus. As I get fully, further and fullier, fullier, more fully yielded to him. So now may you and I take this season of ministry and lay ourselves down at the feet of our God, humbly, willingly, lovingly, and ask him to lead us into whatever it is he has for us. Into the wholeness of his best for us. As we choose to do his will, his way, in his time. Amen. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for your word. And a chance to be reminded of the servants or by the servants in the scripture who are, we're, we're Moses. He's us. We're just, we're just your creation. You've granted us uh, incredible uh, blessings and gifts, despite our, our our failings and our wickedness. Now you choose to use us and and you choose to um, bless us and our families and our marriages and in our our lives. You just you're just so. But we're Moses. We're 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 prone to fail. We're prone to wander. Uh, we're so easily duped and in, into in listening to ourselves or 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 getting angry and shaking a. Uh, and it, like the Israelites did, shaking a, an angry fist in your face and, and questioning you and demanding from you. Lord, would you keep us from those things uh, in this season of ministry? and For all seasons, Lord, may we be surrendered to you as followers of your son, Jesus Christ. May we uh, just look to you uh, for you to spell out for us the next steps of our journey. May you give us, God, the means by which it's meant to be accomplished And then may we do it in in, in your timing, not ahead of your schedule, not uh, lagging behind in what you hope for us, but in lockstep with your will and your ways and your time. I pray this for our congregation. I pray this for each individual in this room. I pray it for every family represented in this room. May this be a year, God, uh, that when we're at the end of it, we look back and we see all that you've done to accomplish uh, your work in us. We see the tests that you led us to. Uh, the massas and the marabas that were your ideas so that we could grow closer to you. And may we at the end of this be closer to you, God, because you've led us there in and, and, and surrender. We've yielded to you in it. Uh, that's my prayer for us as a church, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. It's great to see you guys. We'll talk more next week. God bless you as you go. I'll be over here in the corner.